Hello, everyone, and welcome to Optimize Your Life, where we share stories on overcoming lifestyle challenges. My name is Dr. Darsh, and I have an incredible passion for personal development and optimizing lifestyle and mindset. The purpose of this podcast is to help you strategize ways to optimize your life to increase wealth, health, love, and happiness. Now, let's get started. Before we begin here, I just wanted to add a quick disclaimer. If you do intend on changing anything with your lifestyle or diet or health, please consult with your physician before making any appropriate changes. Thank you so much for coming on here. I know this is your first live, so enjoy it, embrace it. Um, it'll, be, <laughs> it'll be a fun time, and all the followers here are can ask their questions and whatnot. So sounds like a good time. Let's do it. That's awesome, man. So the way I kind of want to do this is kind of just I want I think I'm so pumped for this, man, because. When I saw you and your Instagram, I was like, yes, like somebody in medical school currently talking about nutrition. And that's just something in the US, at least like we just don't get enough, you know, to be talking. Um, and I see what you're doing and what you're kind of advocating for. So I definitely had to have you on here. So thank you again for joining. Um, so again, the way I kind of want to do this is we'll go ahead talk about some stuff. And then maybe with like five, 10 minutes left, uh, just answer any questions that any of the followers have. So followers, go ahead, um, write your questions if you have any, and we'll go we'll go ahead and answer them at the end. So sounds like a plan and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So I asked this to all my guests, uh, the first question. So take your time with it. It's a little hard. Yeah. Um, but I just love the direction where it goes after you answer this. So what I want to know, and I think what the followers want to know is who is Mozambil at its core? Who is Muzamil? What, what did you say? At his core. At, at his at core. His who core. are you? Who is, like, what are you about? Okay. Okay. That, is, I've never been asked that before. It's a very deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, um, I think the word that comes to my mind is change. And okay. what I mean by that is, like, changing for better and that's what I believe in. It can be about anything about myself because I'm constantly changing towards bettering. And then I also want to constantly be involved in changing um, the world, um, you know, anything that goes around, including like the medical system, the way things are dealt with right now. So I guess like, you know, changing to be better as a person, as a society, in every way possible. I believe we should all be just changing and moving towards the positive direction that leads to a better future. Yeah, 100% agree, man. I mean, it's about, it's about getting 1% better every day, right? And with that, that, that 1% compounds over time, and that's where you can really see the change, right? But it begins with ourselves before um, we can do it to other people or even in a bigger, in a bigger picture. So completely agree with that, man. Love it. Um, so let's kind of back it up now. So tell me about kind of how you got to where you are now, right? How did you, how did you become a medical student? How did you really introduce veganism into your life? Okay, that's two different stories, but um, they kind of they intertwine. So okay. I don't know if I mentioned to you, but I, I don't have a science background. I actually did a bachelor's in and I used to work in oil and gas. So nothing to do with science, nothing to do with medicine. Um, I never considered medicine, I'll be completely honest. Um, and, uh, I just, I, I just, you know, I was going about my 
my life in oil and gas industry. I was in the marketing department and I just, I was like, what am I doing? Like my job had no purpose. I felt like it had no purpose to other people. They love their marketing jobs. I felt like I had no purpose. I felt like I was, again, not working towards improving the world or improving myself. So I just felt like it was a job that was providing me with a lot of money. I was getting seven weeks of vacation that no one really, you know, in U.S. gets. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm from Canada, so we get a bit more. But it was good money, good vacation, but just, I felt like it was no purpose. Um, and I just wasn't happy. I hated bureaucracy. I hated the fact that it had nothing to do with people, but rather my job was literally about how we can take advantage of people. So it was like, I love psychology. Yeah. It was about using psychology to pretty much like manipulate their minds to make them buy things that they're not interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was good at it. I'm not going to lie. I was good at it because I'm really <laughs> passionate about psychology. But it was, it, I just feel you, I didn't feel good doing it. So right. one day I was like, you know, I can't do this. I tried to explain it to my friends. I tried to explain it to my family. And everyone was like, what is wrong with you? Like, why would you want to quit such a good job? And I'll be completely honest. At the time, I had no idea that, me- you know, I would discover medicine. I was kind of just, I want to figure something. I want to figure myself out. I want to figure out what I want to do. So I was like, I just want to quit this. Um, so my parents are very big on having a backup plan. So they were like, okay, if you're yeah. going to quit something, you have to have a backup plan. So I used to be interested in law. So I decided to apply for law school. I got accepted in law school. And okay. I was like, okay, I'll quit I, I this. I'll do law. But then, huh. um, that's what I told everyone, that I'm going to do law. And I quit my job six months before my law school was going to start. And, it, and okay. I decided to go back from New Zealand up to Japan. And while backpacking i'm like i'm literally going to be going from one career to another and that i'm not passionate about and i could just foresee like the same thing happening a few years down the road i'm going to do law school and then i'm going to be like why well, am i doing this I, i'm hating it. so i decided to not pursue law i just kept traveling i kept backpacking i was meeting a lot of amazing people had a lot of amazing conversations and one thing that stood out to me was even within marketing job i, I have always liked psychology and mm-hmm. I've been passionate about mental health. So I was, uh, then I was like, you know what? I'm really interested in mental health. I don't know what I want to pursue, but I know that I like mental health. So I decided to apply for a master's in psychology in the UK. Okay. Uh, UK, because I always wanted to live in the UK. It was like one of the things on the list. So I was like, I'm going to apply for my master's in the UK. So I applied for master's in psychology in UK, and I got in. And I remember... Uh, calling my parents while I was still, I think, in Thailand traveling and being like, so I'm not going to be going to law school. <laughs> and they were just like, what is wrong with you? You left a good job in oil and gas industry for law school. You're not going to do that. What are you going to do? And I'm like, I want, I want to do a master's in psychology. They're like, oh my God, you're dumb. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm passionate about mental health. And I don't know if I want to pursue psychology till the end, but I know it's going to be a stepping stone for me to figure things out. Right. And honestly, like to the UK, I lived in Scotland. It was a phenomenal experience. I met amazing people from all over the world. And my master's in psychology was amazing. And that's what opened my, um, I, I guess, like myself to science, because I never had a science background before that. And also, I met amazing people. So 
uh, I ended up meeting a lot of physicians and a lot of psychologists. And then I had to decide, do I want to do um, PhD in psychology and go towards that route or do I want to pursue medicine? And one thing I noticed was as much as I love what psychologists do, they, um, they don't have the final say in a lot of the things. It's always the doctor, it's always the therapist. And that kind of bothered me. I'm like, I, I want to be, I want to be the person taking care of my patients. I want to be the one making final decisions. Absolutely. And that's when I decided to pursue medicine. And I had no science background, so I had to go back to undergrad, take sciences, and then I was able to apply. And then I was able to get in um, at the school I really wanted to go, like my first choice. And then. Um, my story doesn't stop there because that was just for the first step. And then I came with the mindset that I'm going to try to help people from a more holistic point of view. And you, you've gone through this. So, you know, medicine is not very holistic, uh, right. especially right. doing MD. That's a lot less holistic. You did DO, so at least that's more holistic. But yeah. uh, like, the DO is really not. It's not. Okay. They just say it is. <laughs> So I was yeah. just like, you know, okay, like this is cool and all, like I am enjoying this, but I need to figure out how I can make it holistic for my future patients. Because, you know, I don't believe in the reactionary medicine approach that we're taught. We're, wait, we we're taught to wait until people get sick and then, and then we try to just patch them up, send them back home. Yeah. That's the approach where we take. And I... My breaking point was doing a cardiology lecture. The cardiologist goes, look at the person to your right, look at the person to your left. You looked at two people. One of those people are going to get heart disease because 50% of people get heart disease. And then that's it. And then he just went on teaching. And I was like, what? I was like, what am I supposed to do with that information? Yeah. Like, you didn't tell me, okay, one of your friends is going to heart disease. This is what you can do to help. Like, mm -hmm. why, why is this so definitive? It didn't make sense to me. So I think that was my breaking point. And I was like, I need to start looking. And I had my own health issues. Like, I've, I always had migraines. Um, I had terrible skin. I had eczema, um, digestive problems, blister problems, constant fatigue. So I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to learn how to fix myself. How am I going to learn how to fix my patients? Because even when I went to the doctor, they'd be like, you can take this, this medication for your migraines, yeah. this one for your eczema, right. this one for your acne. And it's a list of medications. And I was like, I don't understand that. I don't think I'm sick that I need to take medications. Something's just not right. Because yeah. the way we're taught medicine is very interesting because we're taught that our body is made in a way that's supposed to break down. And we as doctors are there to patch it back up. Right. And that's not how our bodies are. Our bodies are supposed to thrive. And we're, if you take care of it. Mm -hmm. And if they're not taking care of it, it's going to break down. Right? But the answer Absolutely. shouldn't be medication when it breaks down. Yes, don't get me wrong. For a lot of the things, you need medications. Like, you know, if you're infectious diseases, someone got a strong bacterial infection, like, you know, you're not going to be like, oh, go eat a smoothie bowl. Obviously, you need to give them antibiotics. But yeah. that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about diseases that are literally caused by your lifestyle choices. Right. So, um, I, that was when I was like, I need to start looking into this. So, I started looking into nutrition. And the more I looked into it, the more I went deep, the more I realized that everything I knew about nutrition was wrong. Everyone yeah. these days believe in low carb or keto or high protein. A lot of these myths that are created by the industry because they are the only ones who benefit from it 
but none of that is backed up by science because that is not what the nutritional studies are showing over and over and over. Um, and the ones I realized that one, I was shocked. Second, I was like, I need to start making changes, serious changes. And I looked at the longest living people in the world, which are the five blue zones. And I realized yeah. that all of them eat either a complete plant-based diet or a predominant plant-based diet. Uh, none of them are eating high protein diets. None of them are eating low carb, keto, and all that. And I was like, how did I not know this? Why was I never taught this? Because even in med school, some of the doctors are telling us to eat low carb. So I was really frustrated. So I was like, okay, I need to start making changes. I was very convinced, which I still am, that plant-based is the way to go. That's what we should have been doing for the longest time. Um, and I went plant-based. Now, the veganism factor came in much later because um, I decided to... No, I didn't decide. Once I became plant-based, you know, when, once I kept searching about it, then my YouTube started showing me things that I had never looked at. So it started, like, you know, suggesting random vegan videos. And I was like, okay, like, whatever. I don't really care. I'm just doing this for diet, but I'll look, I'll look into it. And then when I started looking into it and learning about the environmental side and then the animal side, and it was just like a downhill from there. I just got deeper and deeper in it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm already convinced that to live a healthy, sustainable life, I don't need animal products. Now I'm just doing it for social factors. Like I wasn't bringing it at home. I was doing it really like when I go out with friends or I'm at a friend's house. So I was like, if like what's happening in the animal industry is wrong. And um, and it's like damaging to our planet. Why mm -hmm. do it for social factors? It doesn't make it. So that's when I decided to go fully vegan. And I've been vegan for a year and three months and plant this for longer than that. Okay. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's a bit of my, there's a lot more that happened after that point, but to answer your question, that's how I became vegan and that's yeah. how I ended up in med school. No, that was perfect, man. It was, it's, it's such an interesting story. And I think both of those answers, it allows, like a lot of my followers are pre-med. So the first thing the pre-med should take away is your persistence to following your passion and understanding who you were at your core, right? Where you said you want to make a change, but you also had a passion for mental health and pursuing that um, is what you want to do to, to be a physician. And then also realizing that, okay, as a physician, my patients aren't really getting better. And you're completely right. At least here in the US, they say, I think about 90% of diseases that people have are chronic. And you can't treat chronic with acute. You can only treat yep. chronic with chronic, right? And that's all lifestyle medicine. And so that's exactly how I got into this functional medicine is by was optimizing the body and thinking, you know, why are people on drugs in the first place when you really don't need them? If you can, like you said, take care of your body, like change the oil of a car and, you know, et cetera, just keep it, keep it fueled up and keep that high energy. So yeah, I completely agree with you on that. I think it's funny how most of us get into that functional medicine. It's by seeing and hearing those stories of the cardiologist saying, you know, 50% of people will get heart disease. You're like, why the hell does that even have yeah. to happen? So, yeah, completely, completely. Cool. Okay, so what, how did you dig deep into it? So you said, like, YouTube videos and stuff, but was there any specific research that you looked at? I know you made a post about documentaries. Um, is there anything you really recommend for people to kind of get into? Are we talking, because there's two different things and I tackle them very separately. Are we talking about health or are we talking about, the animal side or the environment like what are you asking uh can you, you do very different things. <laughs> can you do one and the other so because yeah it's such a multifaceted topic yeah so let's talk about health and plant-based and then we can kind of talk about the animal or ethics of that if that's fine absolutely so for health i went to the source i 
looked at what the dietitians of Canada think. I looked at the nutritional studies because, you know, like, for example, heart disease. I was interested about heart disease. I was like, I want to look at what the nutrition literature is saying. I already know what the medical literature is saying on how to fix it with, like, statins and other drugs that we give. But I'm like, I want to see what the nutritional uh, literature is saying. And what I found was the only diet that's been shown to reverse heart disease thus far has been whole food plant-based diet. No other diet has been able to show, that, to show it. No other diet is powerful enough to do it. There's a lot of factors. It's not as basic as you plant, so that's what happens. Heart disease is caused by years of damage to your body. Like they say that by the age of eight now, kids are getting plaques in their arteries. It's yeah. not happening just because your body likes to have plaques in there. It's because of what we're eating. We're eating so much saturated fat. We're eating so much animal protein. Both play a huge factor in atherosclerosis. Um, there's a lot of things that I find found out that I did not know. Like, I did not know how meat has L-carnitine, which gets metabolized um, by your gut microbiome into TMAO, trimethylamine, which then gets metabolized by your liver into trimethylamine oxide, so TMAO, which has been shown to directly cause uh, you know, atherosclerosis in your body. And there's a lot of other factors, like heme iron. The only source of heme iron really is animal products. And heme iron has been shown to be super inflammatory for our bodies. So there's a lot of different mechanisms why this happens. And then when it comes to plant foods, they have a lot of antioxidants in there. There's a lot of phytochemicals in there. They're high in vitamins, they're high in uh, minerals, and they're very low in saturated fat, if at all. Um, and so there's so many factors. So when you take away all the stuff that causes damage, when you put in all the stuff that cleans it up, what's going to happen? Your body wants to recover. It's going to recover, right? It's, mm -hmm. So when I learned that, that's when I was like, wow. Like, why was I not taught this by that cardiologist who made me look at my friend to my right and my friend to my left, and that he just left it at that. Like, why did he right. not talk about it? So, um, and there's a, a lot of other things. Like, I started looking at diet and fasting and diet and eczema and... Um, and every, like all the literature, the strongest lit uh, nutritional literature always goes back to the more plants you eat, the better it is for your health. The less plants you eat, the more problems you have, right? So that, that's how I got into it. I looked at, and then I was honestly, like a lot of people, I was concerned. Is a complete plant-based diet nutritionally sufficient? A lot of people yeah. are like, are you gonna, where do you get your protein? Are you getting your protein? What about iron? Blah, blah, blah. And right. a lot of people don't even know that dietitians of Canada, dietitians of America, have blatantly said vegan and vegetarian diets are more than sufficient. You're able to survive on it, you're able to thrive on it, and you will prevent diseases the more plants you eat. Like, that statement's been out there for a long time. I'm just surprised yeah. that medical doctors don't even know that dietitians of Canada and dietitians of America have released that long time ago. Because a lot of doctors tell their patients not to go plant-based, which is so shocking. Because that is literally not what the literature is. So, so that's kind of how uh, I delve deep into it, and then, um, and then honestly, like I have, I'm very open to learning more. If someone ever comes to me and they're like, "Oh, this study completely disproves everything you believe," I'll be like, "Sure, I would love to read it, right?" Because I believe in constantly learning and changing. But so yeah. far, all the science points towards more plants the better. Yeah, yeah. So like two things on that, right? So the first thing is like. I don't know if people know this that are pre-med, but when you get to medical school, 
the average hours you get on learning nutrition and diet in the U.S. is like 19 hours. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's probably the same in Canada. It's it's, it's nothing. Yeah. And you know, like who was it? it was Hippocrates who said, "Let food be thy medicine and yeah, thy exactly. medicine for food." Exactly. And yet we take his oath, but we don't do anything about the most profound statement that he's ever said: "Is exactly. let food be, like, you know, food be thy medicine." So it's completely irrational and. When you look at the like just the money making, I think somebody wrote a question about money and stuff, so we'll get mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. But just big pharma and medications and lobbying and all these things, organic and fake labels, the FDA, it's just it, it's a whole wormhole that we could definitely go into. Absolutely. So it's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So okay, that's awesome then. You you definitely know your science, you definitely know your research, you're not just talking out of your ass, you know. Um, and I think somebody even wrote that I I appreciate you going through the literature. Absolutely. So Let's talk about your obstacles. What have been the biggest obstacles that you faced, either with going vegan? Was there anything that you almost like reverted back, saying this is too tough, or what was your experience in making that change? I have never. I'll be completely honest. I have never considered going back. There hasn't been a date. Um, the reason being is okay. See, that's the thing. If you're doing it for health, it's very easy to revert back because everyone's like. Oh, we don't have to be healthy 100% of the time. I'm not healthy 100% of the time. I'll be completely honest. I think I'm healthy 90 to 95% of the time. Then maybe once in a while, I'll have a vegan ice cream. And I will never claim that just because it's vegan, it's healthier. It's still drug food, right? right? So if you're doing plant-based for health, it's very easy to revert that because we are emotional eaters. And when we don't feel like being healthy, we will just go back to eating whatever. But the fact that I did it for ethical reasons, I don't see going back. Because I just understand, to me, I believe that it's just not right to cause unnecessary harm when it's not even needed. Like, there's no reason to do it, and I'm very thankful for that. So, so that has not been an obstacle. There's a lot of yeah. other obstacles I've faced, but that itself has not been an obstacle. Um, I think a common obstacle that a lot of people face is family and friends. Um, when you decide to go plant it, they're not plant it. You get a lot of questions thrown at you. The biggest question being, where do you get your protein? And we can yeah. get into that if anyone is wondering. But um, it initially, it can be hard to explain it to them why you went back. Because one, first, you can try to explain that it's healthy. They're going to come up with a lot of questions like, are you sure it's healthy? We've been eating this way forever. Um, you know, and then you try to explain them the ethical side. Some people might get it. Some people, unfortunately, don't get it. Um, yeah. Try to give them all the logical reasons they may not get it. So I think that can be an obstacle that sometimes you can feel alone when you're out with people and everyone's eating a certain way and you're eating a different way. But lucky for me that I have always been um, happy with the choices I make and I usually remain confident. So that has helped me because I'm always like, Okay, so there's this term that I learned a while ago. It's called attractivism. I'm sorry, well, it was what? Attractivism. Okay. Um, so there's like veganism, right? Veganism is all about animals. Attractivism is attracting people to a certain movement by things you do. And that's what I believe in. I attract people towards eating a plant-based diet by hosting delicious, colorful meals. Mm -hmm. I attract people towards uh, when I go out to restaurants. Like, you know, I'll talk to the way, uh, the waiter or waitress or whoever's their server uh, and I'll be like uh, you know this is what I'm looking for a meal if it's not in the menu they'll make something for me and my meals are always more colorful 
in anyone else's meal um or you know the fact that i work out and stuff that's a huge thing because a lot of people are, are like oh you're actually fit like we only know scrawny vegans yeah, so i don't want to talk about that soon. yeah so i try to attract people towards plant-based and veganism by doing things that i know people like to see right um makes sense like yeah. you know i feel like yeah so that's how i deal with the obstacle that i face sometimes it's like my family and friends like not understanding it but when they see i'm healthy this year I'm going off for runs this year I'm working out and I clearly have more energy than all of them do then they're like okay maybe his diet is not deficient maybe our diet because we're the ones who need four cups of coffee every day oh yeah <laughs> don't even get me started <laughs> on coffee oh my god <laughs> no I completely agree with you on that yeah so let's talk about fitness because I mean okay. you've put on a good amount of muscle looking at your Thank posts you. and stuff I used to be fit until quarantine came. I kind of just lost it all. Um, but I'm getting back in the gym soon. But that's, that's one of the most common things people ask me, too, just growing up. Is I'm, so I'm, I'm a vegetarian for people that don't know out there. Actually, I'm probably, what's the one where you're like somewhat vegan or you're mainly vegan, but a little bit? You just put a post on it. Oh, I don't want to use that vegan. because apparently people don't like it. But uh, I think it's just better to use the term plant-based. Vegan-ish. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. But uh, plant-based, because it can mean a lot of different things. Plant-based can be completely vegan, or it can be up to like 90, 85% vegan. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, so growing up, I mean, everyone's been asking, like, how do you get your protein? How do you do this? And then, like, I've always been an athlete my whole life, and, you know, people are just like, oh, okay, I guess, like, he's fine. So what do you tell people when they bring up, like, hey, the protein argument, but then you show pictures of yourself, and it's like, okay, you're obviously more fit than 99% of, you know, people in the world. Um, well, I try to talk about protein from different angles okay. because people have a lot of questions when it comes to protein because yeah. they think of protein as the king of mm -hmm. diet. They think protein is where it's at. They believe protein is when, what you need to build muscle. They believe protein is what you need to lose weight. Right. They think everyone thinks protein is the solution to everything. And then mm -hmm. they eat so much protein in breakfast and lunch and dinner. And yet, everyone's not fit. So clearly, right. protein is not the solution. Or at least, the amount of protein they're eating is not the solution. Yes, yeah. Like, obviously, you need protein. It's like a macronutrient. Nutrient that's mm -hmm. for your health. But um, so one thing I talk about is the fact that at the strongest, the heaviest, the most mus muscular animals are all vegan. Right. All they eat is plants. So obviously, there's not protein plants, or they wouldn't be the strongest. Like, there's no human, then, you know, they can eat all the meat they want, but there's no way they could go against a gorilla right. and other life. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So The game changers, I think, brings that up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a huge piece. Um, then I try to talk to them about the fact that the RDI for protein is actually quite low. I believe it's 0 0.8 times your body weight in kilograms and it's right. not even body weight it's actually supposed to be your lean body weight so if you're like overweight like you shouldn't even be doing 0 0.8 times that because then it would be lower than that um mm -hmm. so the rdi is actually really low and if you're trying to gain muscle then the science has shown a bit of a range for how much protein you need um people, some people are able to build muscle with just 1.0 times like, grams per kilogram not pound um, and then they've shown like if you want to really be optimal, then it, you can do 1.6 grams per kilogram. 
which is still a lot lower than what people are eating. People are doing like one gram per pound to two oh, grams. Body weight. Yeah. And they're just killing their body. Our bodies are not made to eat that much protein. Way too inflammatory. Yeah. Yeah. I only consume like 70 grams of protein a day. Right. And that's, and I'm building muscle. That's less protein than all my friends who are who don't even go to the gym. And yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are overweight. Absolutely. Uh, so the thing with protein is our body is not made to consume that much protein. It's not good for your kidneys. Does a lot of damage, especially animal protein has a lot of uh, inflammatory factors that do damage in various ways. And we could get into that, but that might be a bit too detailed. Um, and, and we just don't need it. And if we need it, let's assume we need it. Just eat your beans, eat your tofu, eat your tempeh, eat your seitan, eat your lentils, eat your chickpeas. You can up your protein as much as you want. You yeah. want to eat, you're still, you still believe you want 200 grams of protein. You can still eat it on a vegan Easy, diet. Man. You just need to, Definitely. you just need to eat higher protein foods. And if you're used to, you know, consuming whey protein, all you need to do is switch to a plant-based protein. So yeah. I don't rec recommend high protein diets, but if someone's still like adamant on high protein, cause you know, emotional eating is a big piece and also like changing people's minds just take a long time. So I'm like, okay, you still want to stick to your high protein, just switch the source. You can still eat high protein on a plant-based diet. Yeah, absolutely. And like Walter Longo, who for those of you guys who don't know out there is an anti-aging researcher in California and he studies blue zones. And he's found that most of these blue zones, like their protein is so low where they're only eating, if they're oh, no. eating any meat, treat it as a tree. Yeah. And it's like 0.3 to 0.4 yeah. until you reach the age of about 50 or 60. That's where they increase the protein a little bit, you know, to 0.5, mm -hmm. 0 0.6 because of the strength loss. But yeah, it's just such a huge myth, man. It's just so big and I get it so often from yeah. people. And yeah, I like, I like how you bring up one, the science and then two, like just bring up the animals and using that as examples. And I think people are, you know, you can't really argue with that. So. Absolutely. And you mentioned blue zones. So I just want to bring up the fact that a lot of people go, Okinawa, one of the blue zones. And they, like, by, so uh, if for people who don't know what blue zones are, these are the people who live on average above 100. So they live a long life and a healthy life. They're not on meds for heart disease and diabetes and hypertension. Not. They're living healthy, long life. And people from Okinawa, they only get 7% of their calories from protein. 7%. Wow. 70% of their diet is from purple yams. Yeah. So everyone's scared of carbs, everyone's scared of starch, but the longest living people are not even eating that much protein. They're not eating that much fat. Obviously, you need a bit of healthy fats, but not the amount people are eating right now. And our body runs on glucose. It needs complex carbs. And that's a key factor that a lot of people Mm hmm. Yeah, it's exactly. I, the, I think the blue zone study is just it's so important. I think start, people are slow, slowly starting to learn from it and whatnot. So, yeah, that's insane. Seven percent of calories. Wow. You yeah. don't even think that. I think like when you look at the U.S. and Canada, the West, the Western countries, we have this image of, oh, I got to get super muscular, big and, you know, and the food industry kind of throws, well, like protein, protein, protein. And you know, people need to realize you have to be in it for the long game. You know, most of these right. bodybuilders and stuff, they're getting diseases. Like you said, kidneys they and don't, stuff. They don't live that long. You don't. Yeah. You don't. You got to live long. The amount of protein they're consuming is just killing them. And another huge factor with high protein diets is cancer. Like there's a lot yeah. of research showing that. Um, so it's like, what's the point of big muscles if 
your chances for cancer goes up. Like, is there a point? Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you what do you tell people when because I've gotten this a lot, plant based diets are too filling. Um, it's too hard to just do and cook. And then it's too expensive. Okay, three good points. Um, so let's talk about expensive because that doesn't make sense to me because my bill, my, like my my budget has gone down since I went plant based. Um, okay. so technically, you should be eating your fruits and vegetables anyway. You should be eating whole grains anyway, and whole grains are cheap. Uh, and the only thing you're really replacing is your source of protein. So you're taking out meat and eggs. Meat and eggs are expensive. Seafood, like fish, is expensive. And you, you should be replacing it with like beans and lentils and chickpeas and tofu, which is dirt cheap. Like that's food for peasants. Like in third world countries, mm -hmm. you know, uh, people who can't afford to buy food, they eat lentil with rice. And they yes. actually live a lot longer than, than people in North America do. Right. But my point is, it's actually really cheap if you, um, Okay, I don't want to take away from the fact that some people might be living in like food deserts and stuff, which we can also touch on. But generally speaking, I don't believe it's expensive. Um, you, all you got to do is like stick to whole foods. You, you know, if you don't have that much money, don't be buying those expensive vegan meats and expensive vegan cheese because you don't need that stuff anyway. Just stick to whole foods, buy your nuts and seeds, whole grains, legumes, fruits and vegetables, and your bill is your budget for diet is going to go down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what yeah, was funny, your other two questions? Um, it's too hard to go vegan or to incorporate plant-based foods. It's only hard if you tell it, if you tell, if you tell yourself it's hard, right? Okay. It's a very psychological yeah. thing. Um, it's, you, people think it's hard because they have been doing their normal diet all their lives, right? So that means now they have to reconsider what they eat and how they eat. But the thing is, if you spend a few days learning about it, how to do it properly, it's not hard. It takes, right. in my opinion, from my experience, it takes less time to cook plant-based foods than it does to cook meat. Like meat requires defrosting. You know, a lot of people like to clean it, take out the fat and stuff. That takes time. Um, and then cooking it takes time. And you have to make sure it's cooked enough. Um, otherwise, you can get like you know, salmonella and E. coli and stuff like that. So you actually save a lot of time. Uh, and you can batch cook, like make a bean chili and cook for the week. The week. Uh, take some sweet potatoes, put them in the oven and bake a bunch of them and you're good. Um, take some tofu, cut it in squares, uh, grill it on a pan or bake it and uh, you know, make sure to marinate so it has flavor. Right. But uh, put it away and make a bunch of things. And honestly, it, it saves you a lot of time. The trick is to spend a few days learning how to do it properly. Yeah. So give yourself time. Don't just expect to go in and if you're not ready to go in 100% then I always recommend like you know maybe start start with one meal a day and then move on to two meals a day um, take steps if you need it because not everyone is I, I'm a bit crazy if I make if I make a decision I go all the way right away I, I became vegan pretty much overnight but um, wow. not everyone's like that and I respect that and I feel everyone needs to figure out the steps they need to take and um, and then take the steps to get there. There's no reason to rush it. If because rushing it might just mean that you, it's gonna backfire and you're just gonna quit, which is not good. For, like, what's the point of that then? Absolutely. No, completely agree with that. And the last one is I get a lot. It's not filling enough, and I don't think people don't know. I don't think people well, 
this, but yeah, the thing is, people think it's people think going plant based is like eating salads all day. Like right. salad is not a meal. Like you know, I don't know why people think that. It, yeah. You know, you can eat salad if the, I love salads, but it, I don't consider it as a meal. Um, eat like proper foods. Like you know, make some whole wheat pasta instead of putting in um, like meat in it. You can put in a lot of vegetables in it, or you can put in. Um, you can make like a like a, you can saute some lentils with some spices. And you can throw that in there, um, and, or you can um, you can just bake some tofu, like marinate some tofu, bake it, and put that in your pasta. Or you, for breakfast, you can make smoothie bowls, which are really filling, because I throw in like a bit a bit of oats, a couple of bananas, uh, dates, have a cup of soy milk. Um, I, I'm not I, like you know I throw in a bit of whatever fruits that I have on hand, a bit of greens. And then mm -hmm. I top it up with granola and a bunch of things, and it's like really filling. Or just make oatmeal and put lots of fruits in it. Um, or I heard about this new recipe: make oatmeal and put some sweet potato in it. I've not tried that, but I've heard it's delicious and very good. Yeah. Um, and then, honestly, like anything you do with meat, just take out the meat and put in a vegan protein source. Absolutely. And like you know, people need to just change their mindset about plant-based into thinking that it's just salads. And yeah. I, I personally eat a lot more variety of foods now than I ever did. And people can like go on my Instagram and check out. I post a lot of vegan recipes that are very healthy and good for you. So mm -hmm. it just, I think, yeah, it, it can be very filling um, if you just make the right foods. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And, like, and your fiber intake goes up incredibly on a plant-based diet. And I think yeah. And people are going to start realizing, oh my God, I'm actually pooping better and my yes. gut feels better. And then autoimmunity goes down, it helps leaky gut. And it just, that's so beneficial because our 80% of our immune system is in our gut, right? I, that, that's something I keep drilling into people is that you need to take care of your gut. And the way you take care of your gut is by the food that you eat. So, absolutely. Cool. So now I really just want to talk about you and what you're doing. So, on your day to day, how are you optimizing kind of your life? So, obviously eating plant-based, but what do you do? How do you mix that in with your fitness? Do you intermittent fast at all? Or do you kind of just eat three meals a day? So I don't regularly intermittent fast. Okay. I, I do it when I feel like it. There are a lot of benefits, but I'm not convinced that doing it every day is required for all the benefits. I think if you're doing it a few times a month, that right. is enough for your body to like clean itself up and yeah. heal itself. Um, but I don't even know if that's needed if you're eating a really good whole food plant-based diet. I think it's more so important when you're eating, eating a really bad diet to give your body time to clean. But I do do it. Um, I do a few, like, you know, a few times a week, uh, sorry, a few times a month where I'll do longer fast, but I don't do it on a daily basis. I try to eat late and I always eat my breakfast not because breakfast is mandatory, but I, there's a lot of research showing that if you eat a big breakfast, you're more likely to eat less calories later in the day, and you're also less, more likely to make better decisions about food later in the day. Gotcha. Um, so I eat a really good breakfast. Um, I, I drink more tea. I avoid coffee. And yeah. if I'm going to drink coffee, it's usually max one cup a day. Yep. But most of the times I stick to decaf because the only reason I drink coffee is for the taste because mm -hmm. I love the taste, but I move to decaf just to avoid because 
the amount of caffeine in one cup of coffee is like way too much. Yeah. Uh, where that's why I always say like drink tea if you're doing it for caffeine, um, and if you're doing it for taste, then just drink decaf. And yeah. when it comes to workout, um, how I balance working out is by going in the morning first thing usually when when I have classes, because I've noticed that if you try to go late in the day, there a lot of excuses for you not to go. Um, I might call you and might be like, hey, um, grab coffee. Do you want to grab dinner? Or you might just feel tired after a long day. Or you might be like, I have a quiz tomorrow. Should I really go work out when I should be studying? But when you go in the morning, you know you have the entire day to get your work done. Yeah. And there's no you know, distraction in the morning. I'll be honest. When you switch to working out in the morning, in the beginning, you hate it. You're like, why am I waking up early? Yeah. Like, what, like, what the hell am I doing? But once your body, like, you know, gets used to it, then you actually end up enjoying it. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Another, though, yeah. That. Another key thing is like getting good sleep. If you're getting good sleep, then you're gonna be re-energized for morning. So I make sure to get my eight hours. Um, and when you eat a healthy diet, honestly, like then you don't even need coffee. Like you should, cause technically our bodies shouldn't need caffeine. Like, right? Like it's the same thing as uh, we were talking about, like our body doesn't want to break down. It wants to thrive. So if you give it the right ingredients, it's gonna thrive. It's not gonna need caffeine. So I eat a very clean diet. Um, I I don't meal prep, it's batch cook. So okay. I, what that means is I just make big batches of whatever I cook, so they last me four or five days, but yeah. I don't put them in like separate containers. I just put all the pots in the fridge, and then in that moment, whatever I feel like eating, I'll just take that pot out yeah. and, that, and mix it up and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And when it comes to studying, I, I, I'm a bit ADD, to be completely honest, so I can't go on studying for a very long time. So I yeah. stay in coffee shops because um, it forces me to get out of my house and be more productive. And I don't do well in library because it's too quiet for me. So I study in coffee shops and I have a lot of like projects on the side. Like I was involved in research. I have my Instagram and then now I started a podcast. So yeah. I study and then I'll take a break to do something I'm really passionate about and then go back to studying. That helps me get more done. Whereas I know a lot of other people that method is more distracting. So I think yeah. it's really key to figure out how your mind works and optimize that. And I found that having like a bunch of things that I'm passionate about makes me want to study more because I'm happy in general. Because when I'm happier, yeah. I want to study more. Yeah. So I actually do the same thing. It's really funny that you're saying that. So I, I first started intermittent fasting, realized I started getting more bloated while intermittent fasting because I think I was just eating too much my meals during lunch and dinner. Exactly. So now I do a 48-hour fast once a month, and I think that's enough to just get the yeah. autophagy. Kind of going. Um, fitness, same thing. Now I'm trying to like work out in the morning, but now that residency has started, I'm gonna have to kind of switch back and forth from morning or nights, depending on when gyms are open and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's completely the same thing where in the morning I'll work out, I'll study, or I won't study, I'll try to get done everything I need to because I know in the end I'm gonna have to get the studying done. So I'll do the things that make me happy, like reading yeah. books, meditating, learning a new language, things like that. So yeah, it's very funny how you're, you can really wire your mind when, when you do the things you're passionate about, you're gonna end up getting the things that need to get done in order to advance your career. Absolutely, stuff. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, and then the last thing is, do you take any sort of like, do you take B12, any other supplement? That's a good question. That's a really good question. And I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to bring it up. Um, yeah. If you are, so a lot of people, okay, let me touch it in two different ways. If you're eating a complete plant-based diet, you should take B12, no questions. Like take it, and 
um, like you don't need to be skeptical. It's not because the only source of B12 is meat, which is a lot of people think. Right. B12 comes from bacteria in the soil. We live in a very, very clean world now. There's no B12 in our water because of chlorination. There's no B12 on our vegetables because they're like triple washed and like there's so many pesticides. So it kills all the bacteria that produces B12. The only reason meat and other animal products have B12 right now is because the meat industry, uh, animal industry supplements their animals. Mm -hmm. So they're getting their B12 from the, uh, you know, from the supplements. So then you end up getting a second B12. So I want to, the re reason I mentioned that is so people don't think plant-based diet is deficient. It's not deficient. We live in a world where we are so clean that we don't have a source of natural B12 anymore. So B12 is really important. And it's been shown that 40% of people, and these are not vegans, 40% of people in general are deficient in B12 and they just don't know it. So B12 is really important for your nervous system. Uh, you don't want to damage that. So just take it. And vitamin D is another one because a lot mm -hmm. of us don't spend enough time outside. Um, even if you live in a sunny area and you're not going outside, you need vitamin D. And vitamin D you know, goes up depending on your skin color, the darker you are. So obviously you can talk to your doctor about how much B12 and then you should be taking vitamin D too. The only third supplement that I don't think people need is they get a healthy diet, but what I like to mention is omega-3. Okay. Because um, omega-3 is really important for your brain. And, okay, one thing I want to talk about is where does omega-3 come from? Mm -hmm. A lot of people think it comes from fish. Right. But it doesn't, because fish doesn't make omega-3. Mm -hmm. Omega-3 comes from plants. The reason fish has a lot of omega-3 is because they eat a lot of algae. Uh, yeah. So... You can get omega-3 by eating a lot of walnuts, chia seeds, hemp hearts, um, flax seeds, make sure they're grounded. Or you can, if, you're, if you're into vegan sushi, like, you know, if you're eating seaweed, that has B12. Um, uh, sorry, not um, omega-3. And if you're really concerned and you want to take an omega-3, but you want to avoid an animal product, then they are now making um, omega-3 made out of algae. So yep. it's algae-based, uh, and it's a lot better than the fish-based because the fish-based is very high in, um, like, it's, it, there's a lot of toxicity in fish in general right now, um, and a lot of mercury. So you get to skip that because al the algae is made in an aquarium. So it's, it's not made in polluted water like fish are found in. So, so if you're really concerned about omega-3, then you can take the algae-based. But honestly, if you're eating the, the things I mentioned with omega-3, then you, then you don't need to worry about omega-3. Gotcha. Perfect, perfect. So I know we're running out of time here a little bit, but I really want to talk about your podcast. So can you talk about the two things you're doing? One, people can DM you for a meal plan. And then two, you just started a new uh, podcast called Plan Prescriptions. So can you kind of talk about those two for the yeah. followers? Uh, so I just saw a question that I want to, uh, I want yeah, to answer because it was it. related to flaxseeds. So someone asked yeah. why they have to be grounded. Mm -hmm. The reason they have to be grounded, and I actually buy them grounded because most of the places now sell them grounded, is because when we chew, the flaxseeds are too small, so we don't end up breaking them open with our teeth. And you don't end up releasing the nutrients from within. So when you ground it, the nutrients get released, and then your body is able to absorb it. But when you eat the entire flaxseed and you don't end up chewing it, which you probably won't be able to because they're tiny, 
then you're just missing out on all the omega-3 and all the other nutrients. So that's why it's really important to buy them grounded or ground them in a coffee grinder or something. So um, regarding what I'm doing, my Instagram is uh, so Dr. Um I post a lot about plant-based nutrition there and a lot of tips on how to move towards plant-based, how to go fully vegan if you're interested and things like that, as well as a lot of recipes. And then I also do meal plans. So if you're interested for meal, in meal plans for weight loss or fitness or just to transition to plant-based, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to get funding from my medical school to start a podcast. So oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I, got, I skipped that part of the story because I also started a plant-based nutrition club. Yeah. Uh, so I've been raising a lot of awareness in my med school. I've been able to, you know, get the associate deans on board to understand the benefits and the importance of plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a friend who's doing the podcast with me. We both applied for the funding together and got a grant. And um, yeah, so we have been able to interview a lot of amazing people. A lot of guests uh, have some sort of specialty. So some are tr- helping reverse diabetes. Uh, we have had a gastroenterologist who talked about gut health and gut microbiome. We have had a registered dietitian who talked about like different aspects of diet and how it relates to your um, your physical health. Then we have also had someone who was very overweight and uh, had a lot of mental health issues and tried to commit suicide and had Adderall addiction. And then he talked about his journey on how he lost 200 pounds and discovered self-love. So we have had a lot of different types of guests. Uh, the podcast is called Plant Prescription Podcast. So people can check that out if they're interested. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, guys. If you guys are liking what you're hearing now with all this value and, you know, we're slowly running out of time, but if you want more in-depth about this plant-based and more about the body systems and how it kind of all works together, like we were talking about earlier in terms of a holistic way, then definitely check out that podcast because that's exactly what you're going to learn. So there's a lot of science, um, a lot of anecdote in there as well that can really change the way you think about medicine because we are going more personalized. And what that means mm-hmm. is not everything's going to work for everyone, but something might work for that one person. So it's always the, always very important to keep that in mind. Yeah. Okay, so next question here is, where will you be in five to 10 years? What type of doctor do you want to end up becoming? And what's your practice kind of going to be like? Yeah, um, I love this because I've been thinking about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I want to practice lifestyle medicine focused uh, practice. Um, I don't know if a lot of listeners uh, know what that is, but lifestyle medicine is based on six pillars. Number one being nutrition, with uh, nutrition being predominantly or completely Mm -hmm. plant-based. And then the other pillars being mental health, uh, substance use, um, physical activity, and sleep management, stress management, and things like that. So that's how, so I want to do, uh, I initially used to think I wanted to do psychiatry because I love mental health, but I decided against that, not because I don't like mental health, but because I love everything else too. So mm-hmm. I want to have a lifestyle medicine focused practice where I can incorporate mental health and nutrition and everything else I'm interested in and taking patients where I'm helping them from a very holistic point, point of view, where I'm not there for them to come in, tell me their problem and for me to prescribe them a medicine and send them back. I rather want to approach uh, chronic diseases with the way they should be approached is by talking to patients about how they're living and what they're doing and helping them make changes. Um, so I want to move to the West Coast in Canada. That's kind of my goal. West Coast. And I want to make it very multidisciplinary. So I want to have people from different um, 
medical backgrounds within the practice that they can all tackle different things, but with the focus of like lifestyle changes as well have, as have like a dietitian there, a psychologist there and a full on holistic practice. Love it, man. Just music to my ears, you know, that's, <laughs> it's exactly kind of my goals as well. And just hearing that and you and with your big reach that you have on Instagram too, hopefully people can start to see that side of medicine and even go see a functional medicine doctor, a lifestyle medicine doctor, um, and really see how you can optimize your health. Absolutely. Last question here, kind of twofold is, what is the biggest thing you learned on your journey? And what's the one thing you want to leave the viewers with? What's the one advice you can give them? Okay, so what's the biggest thing I learned during my journey? Because yeah. I feel like I've learned so much. I'm <laughs> I'm learning every day. Um, I think the time that I decided to quit my job was probably the most um, important time of my life because that's when I learned that it's super important to find my passion and to just and to just find myself and to follow that and and carve my own path. And I think that that is key for everyone is I don't care if you want to do medicine or not. Just make sure whatever you want to do, you're doing it for the right reasons. You're passionate because medicine is a long and gruesome journey. So you want to make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Otherwise, you're just going to hate it. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing I've learned is okay. figuring out my passion and following that and not just doing things for the wrong reason or to please other people. So, we, got, we, got, we got one minute left here, just to let you know. But Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, no, that's it from my end. Okay, and then what's the one, one piece of advice that you would give that you kind of just want to leave with the viewer say, this, this is the one thing you can leave behind? I would say um, take a moment, sit down, and just evaluate your life and make sure you're happy with it. Make sure whatever you're doing, whatever you have planned, you're happy with, you're not doing it because you decided at some point in your life that you were going to do it. So really evaluate and evaluate consistent, uh, continuously to make sure that every step you take, you're doing it for the right reason and you're going to be happy and, and your happiness should be you know, your priority. I love it, man. I love it. Dude, I just want to acknowledge you and say thank you so much for coming on here again. The amount of value you provided was just immense that we couldn't get to all the questions, but don't be afraid to DM Dr. Plantface right here. You can follow him on Instagram where you'll get even more value. Check out his podcast. DM him if you need help with incorporating more plant-based stuff. So that's what he's here for. If you have any other questions too, you can always DM me. Um, so we're both here kind of pushing the lifestyle medicine grind and uh, hopefully people can really just become healthier versions of themselves. Again, man, thank you. Definitely have to have you on here for part two, make it something maybe more specific, but this is a great overview. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I, this was my first time, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was it fun, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Absolutely, man. We'll talk soon. Yeah, for sure. Okay, right. take care. Yep, bye. And there you have it, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Optimize Your Life. If you have found this podcast to be helpful and adding value to your day-to-day, -day, then please consider giving it a five-star review. Until next time, stay optimizing.